Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. We love the number six around here, obviously, so we narrowed the potential players in the PG-13 sweepstakes to six, including the Pacers. Worst kept secret in the league is that he's got eyes for the Lakers. What about wild cards, you know, like the other L.A. team or the Rockets? Does Danny flip all those picks to rent him for a run at Cleveland? Or is Paul George or perhaps Jimmy Butler the Cavaliers missing piece needed to take down the Golden State Warriors? What's good? Welcome to the best 60 minutes of your day. Speaking of missing pieces, look who's back. Yeah. Jamel Hill. It feels good to be back. Yeah, I finally am feeling good. Best day I've had, and I know this is going to be the best show of the week. (laughs) <laughs> Why black people always got to be late, by the way? <laughs> no, nah, just kidding. We got bumped by baseball. We did. You nervous. mentioned I, that about... Uh, I wouldn't trade you for anybody, by the way. Just thank you. Sure. And I'm glad you said that because I bet the Cavs once said that to Kevin Love, too. So check out these two reports from Dave McMiniman and Mark Stein. A league source told McMiniman the Cavs have been offered a deal that sends Kevin Love to the Pacers for Paul George with a third unnamed team involved. The source said the deal is only, quote, cursory because GM David Griffin's contract expires June 30th. Now, Mark Stein is reporting that the Cavs have been working also on various trade scenarios in an effort to acquire Jimmy Butler. Okay. Um, Would either of these trades close the gap between the Cavs and the Warriors? Close it completely? No, but bring them a lot closer? Yes. And and I don't think the gap's that wide to begin with. I told you after they lost 4-1 that I agree with Ty Lue. If you look at the fact that they blew game three, won game four, who knows how the series plays out from there? Or maybe it looks closer than it actually was. I still think the Warriors ultimately win the series, but it wasn't like these two teams were worlds apart, that the Cavaliers were not even on the same playing court or playing field as Golden State. But you got to make this move. The most fascinating thing is that the Pacers, apparently, according to McMenamin, called the Cavaliers Why? about this. Why are you trying to help them? Well, you got to do what's best for you. I mean, Boston just did a deal with Philly. We'll get to that in a second. They're in the same division. But if you are the Cavaliers, you definitely do this move because the Warriors made the Kevin Durant acquisition with LeBron and the finals in mind. The Cavaliers and LeBron need to do likewise. Make this trade. As much as I love Kevin Love, you know I put on for Kevin Love. But in, in the finals, in that matchup, he's not cut out for the Warriors. You make this deal for either Paul George, if it's on the table, or uh, Jimmy Butler, if you can, to beat the Warriors. It, d- it definitely that, brings them closer. It gives them some more versatility. Okay, so instead of winning five, this going five, it goes six. Ah, right. that's not I, fair. No, it's, 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 look, Kevin Durant is such an outlier. Adding a former MVP, it just doesn't happen in the NBA. And look, Jimmy Butler is a really good player, um, and certainly Paul George is too. Adding them will, I think, allow them to maybe shore up some of their defensive issues that, they, that they've had, which is big. But I, I think what we underestimate, too, in this process, like you mentioned how you didn't think the gap was as big as maybe the series suggested. I think the Warriors, another year, more experience, and I think to some degree having the monkey off their back of, of having to fulfill those expectations, I think they're going to be better, too. And I think Kevin Durant mm-hmm. is only mm-hmm. getting better. And we're talking about you're comparing adding – 
Again, good players, all-star caliber players. All NBA players. A one, a, versus a transcendent player okay. is what Kevin Durant is. Okay, the and I don't think you can just make up the, that gap. The Cavs can't add a Durant. The Warriors can't add LeBron. I mean, LeBron is still in his prime doing his thing. Kyrie Irving, once he turned it on, maybe too late, but Kyrie Irving is still a problem for them. If you're telling me that Ty Lue no longer has to worry about trying to figure out how to play Kevin Love and Tristan Thompson on the court together, which he really couldn't in that final series, right. and you add a Paul George, everybody's saying, what can the Cavaliers do this offseason? They need some 3 and D type wing guys. Mm-hmm. You th- you're talking about two of the best two-way players in the world after LeBron and, and, and uh, Kawhi Leonard. You're talking about Paul George and Jimmy Butler. And if you can get one of those guys, if you can do that, oh, it absolutely makes this series course, a toss-up. It makes the finals closer to a toss-up than a gentleman's sweep. Is- is being extreme because I still think the Warriors, in terms of depth, in terms of just the cohesiveness they have and how they, how they work together, I still think it's, it's more powerful than them adding that particular lineup. Before we get to the source of one of these reports, let me ask the question that needs answering. I'm asked for a friend. If the Cavaliers end up swinging a trade for either Paul George or Jimmy Butler, is that a super team or not? Nah? <laughs> I'm just curious. Is that, would, that, would, would that be a super team? I don't know. I that don't know what it means anymore. Right? Okay. Dave McMenamin, what more can you tell us specifically? Let's start with just the talks with the Pacers, which you're reporting were initiated by Indiana. That offer was made by Indiana to Cleveland for Kevin Love, Paul George? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Michael, the way it went down is Paul George's agent, Aaron Mintz, told the Pacers in no uncertain terms that, listen, Give up your uh, grand visions of him sticking around with the franchise beyond the summer of 2018 when he becomes a free agent. He's going to leave. So you need to know that while you try to figure out your next steps in terms of operating your franchise moving forward, which caused Kevin Pritchard, the GM for the Pacers, to start canvassing the league and making phone calls. And the Cavs received a phone call over the weekend from Pritchard and the Pacers and say, hey, what, what can we do here? Are you interested in Paul George? Well, what could you offer us in return? And, of course, the name that keeps coming up is Kevin Love, who, as you mentioned, Michael, he actually was not the problem in the NBA Finals. He, had, he averaged like 17 and 10 in the Finals. Mm-hmm. He had a good series. He just didn't have a good enough series. Right. Because here's what the Cavs need to do to try to clamp down on the Warriors if there was a fourth meeting with them next June. When they go on these 14-0 spurts, 15-0 spurts, they need somebody that can get them a stop and then turn it into an offensive opportunity. That's something both those two guys can do, Paul George and Jimmy Butler, and that's why the Cavs are interested. And I think the most significant thing that by both these reports coming out from myself and Mark Stein means that the Cavs' thinking right now is that they need to do something. It's not right. that they're going to you know, stand pat and say that, well, we were so close and this core was good enough if just a couple things went our way. It seems to be right now their thinking is, we got to make a major move to get back towards the level that the Warriors are at right well, now. Well, Dave, after game one of the finals, Jamel and I talked about the fact that LeBron in particular never takes losing lying down. And the most fascinating thing about this, and you pointed this out as well, is that David Griffin, the Cavs GM, his contract is set to expire. The Cavs seem to be operating at like a franchise that's more concerned about LeBron perhaps leaving a year from now or not maximizing his championship window right now than they are about rewarding and signing the general manager, the, the, you know, in theory, the architect of the team, who you said the talks are cursory with him given his uncertain status. Right, and and, and my question is, why can't you do both? Why can't you treat this like there's a sense of urgency because this could be LeBron's last year? 
and also take care of David Griffin because certainly he's done enough over these last three years to prove that he can shepherd a franchise in any state uh, that it's in, whether it's a championship contender uh, or it's a, a team aspiring to become a championship contender. And it makes it very difficult because we've seen the NBA has blown up. <laughs> the finals only ended a week ago. Mm-hmm. And think about all the stories that are coming out and all the activity going on. And you have this guy whose contract's about to expire in 11 days and does not have a guaranteed deal. And what type of authority can he be when he talks to other teams about deals? We yeah. don't know that. I yeah. mean, do, do teams even take him seriously? Are they going above him to Cavs owner Dan Gilbert right now because they know he's the only guy who's wielding the hammer because uh, David Griffith doesn't have a deal right now. So it, it's really perplexing. I've heard it described to me as being insanity in the Cavs front <laughs> office. I had another source today call it ridiculous. And that, you know, that, that perception is not what you want of your franchise around the league when you're supposed to be taking care of the legacy of perhaps uh, maybe the greatest player of all time, if not that, one of the top five. All right, Dave, thanks a lot for joining us. Appreciate it, man. Um, Now the other side of this Paul George sweepstakes involves the Lakers. As everybody and their mama knows, water is wet and Paul George wants to play for L.A. George is from Southern California. He reportedly wants to be in a bigger market, cares about his brand. Now that the Cavs have reportedly been offered this deal for George, should the Lakers now... Mike, should they just go all in and just get Paul George right now? No, I don't think the rental applies to L.A. I think if you're Cleveland, you do the rental and you see if you can convince him to stay. Uh, we talked about Boston all season, one of these other teams. But if you know that he wants the Lakers, the Lakers have to act like the prize here. Like, th- this is the time to be arrogant. We've mm-hmm. criticized them over the years for just trying to sell their tradition and their history to free agents and be like, hey, come play for the Lakers. Why? Because we're the Lakers. Well, Paul George buys into that. He's an L.A. guy. He buys into the notion of, of restoring the glory to the purple and gold. So if that's the case, you sit there and say, hey, Paul, we're not going to make the same mistake that the Knicks made with Carmelo Anthony. We're not going to trade you so we can have your bird rights and give you more money or trade for you. You want to be here? Come here when this thing is in even better shape because we spent the number two pick. Know, know who you are if you're the L.A. Lakers and you're Magic Johnson. You want us more than we need you because guess what? Once upon a time, players were – Paul George was drafted 10th. So don't act like no, no other star can come along or you can't scout the draft and draft another star if you're the L.A. Lakers. Sit there and wait for him to come to you versus acting thirsty for a star and going out and, and, and shipping your assets out the door to get him now. I think Laker fans, I get why they're impatient because they see that somebody wants them and uh, somebody who believes and buys into that tradition that you're talking about. But I'm with you. The Lakers shouldn't jump. They shouldn't flinch. Stick to the plan. All right, and we're going to talk about two teams in a moment who stuck to their plan and look at where it got them. They have a bevy of young talent. And let's say they decide not to get Paul George. And let's say Paul George decides to go to Cleveland as a rental. They might win a ring. They might go to the finals. Don't look at it as a blown opportunity, even if that happens, even if he goes somewhere else and is successful, because you have a nice core there going. You have the number two pick. You can build the Lakers. I think uh, it was their mentality for the longest time, that quick fix. Got to get a free agent. Got to build that way. And and obviously there's room and there's a place for that. But I think that they have learned in this downturn that you need a really solid foundation in order to win for years to come, not just about one year or two years. And if you're Paul George, as much as you want your paper, you don't want them gutting the team that you're eventually going to go to. Right. And it's like, I want to be greedy if I'm the Lakers. I want, say, a Lonzo Ball or Josh Jackson, whoever they end up taking that to. I want that person 
and Paul George. And Paul George should want the same. So ultimately, you say, hey, we want to sign you as a free agent. But to sit back and relinquish some of the assets that they went through a lot of pain and suffering to acquire right. just to get somebody that's coming anyway. Make sure they got this. Like, I'm taking my I'm pick. sorry, I'm taking my chances. And the counter argument is, well, you know, he could go to Cleveland and he could fall in love with the culture and he could stay there with LeBron. All right, cool. We'll get the next one. Right. We'll draft the next one. Again, all these guys that you're falling over yourself trying to acquire will all acquire the same way via the draft. Right. Um, speaking of the two teams with a plan, you know it's a crazy day, Mike, when the most boring thing that happened in the NBA today is the Celtics 76ers trade officially was announced. The Celtics traded the number one overall pick to the 76ers, who are giving the Celtics the number three overall pick and a future first-rounder. Here's Brian Colangelo and Danny Ainge on the trade. I feel that in the top five or six, uh, within the top ten, there's probably five or six uh, all-stars you know, sure, surefire all-stars. Uh, there may be one or two franchise-level players. And on Thursday night, hopefully, you know, we make a decision and make an announcement that results in one of those franchise-level players being here. We felt like it was very close in the top handful of players. And we think there's a really good chance the player that will take a three was the same player we would have taken at one. So this was a great opportunity to acquire uh, an impactful asset. So more picks for the Celtics, and now the 76ers could potentially have a lineup. Ben Simmons, Markel Fultz, Joel Embiid. Kind of like the sound of that. So whose future are you more excited about, the 76ers or the Celtics? Man, that's, this is hard. This is very this is hard. This is a win-win trade. Yeah. You know I got to put on for Sam Hinkie. I trusted the process before it was popular <laughs> to put on for the process. You know this. I, you did. Okay. The process didn't have to be this painful. I still contend, but go ahead. Anything worth having is worth suffering for. And now, Joel Embiid threw up that sweet picture. Embiid, Simmons. I don't care if Embiid can't stay healthy. I don't care if Simmons hadn't seen the court yet. I don't care if the Celtics passed on Markel Fultz. And plenty of number one pick has busted. Markel Fultz might not even be able to play. Right. You didn't ask me whose who's future was I more secure in because the safe answer is the Celtics, given that their president is so strong. That's the safe answer. <laughs> That's my answer. It's like romance. It's about the possibility of the thing. If you had to pick one player to buy a stock in, if you took both these rosters and combined them, you had to pick one player to buy a stock in. Who's stock you buying? It'd probably be NB. You're taking Simmons. the process. Yeah. And you're probably taking Simmons next. Right. Okay, and now you're getting a guy who most evaluators think is going to be the star of this draft. That doesn't mean I don't trust what Danny's doing. I dig what Danny's doing. Because if he's saying to me, Danny Ainge, there's not that big of a difference between Markel Fultz and – because he said we would have taken that guy at number one. So all the talk about them wanting Markel Fultz was a smokescreen or, or, or misinformation. So if they're saying Tatum or Jackson is just, just as good – and you get a Lakers protected pick or the Kings pick or the Sixers pick the following year, either those pick, you flip, you flip them for players or you flip them for the Jimmy Butlers and the Paul Georges of the world. So I like what the Celtics did. But if you're asking me when I look at the rosters who I'm most excited about, it's about Philadelphia going forward. I'm more excited about the Celtics because it was a bold move. And you've said this before, having covered many NFL drafts, and I think it applies to every draft. So much of it is about conviction. And I think it was really clear that Danny Ainge did not believe Markel Fultz was a franchise-changing player. I, I don't think he did. Or did he – sorry to cut you off. Or did he think that the difference in Fultz, Jackson, slash Tatum was not enough to offset the acquisition of another pick? Th- Maybe he did like Fultz, but not enough to give up the other but, pick. But here's the thing. If you do think this guy is – 
transformative. Uh-huh. If you do think he's transcendent, you're never going to trade that pick. And so to me, this was about how they aren't sold on Markel Fultz. And I think because you do have several players skill-wise, what they can bring in uh, right away around the same level, then he figured, you know what? Since I'm not completely in love with this guy to begin with and I can still get the player that I want that can help us yeah. and, and I can flip pick. that into a first-round yeah. pick, you have to admire that. I think people automatically, when they think about how the Celtics have tried to get this number one pick, how they missed out before, they missed out on Kevin Durant, yeah. they missed out if you want to go even further on Tim Duncan – of course, a lot of Celtics fans are disappointed because I think the last phrase they want to hear right now is future first-round pick. They're ready for it to be turned into something. But me, I admire the fact that Danny Ainge was so strong in his belief about who he wanted to take that he decided to do what most people would be considered to be a little bit out there to and, trade the number one overall pick. And if I'm any of those fans, if I'm Celtics fans, I'm, I'm trusting Danny. I'm also saying, look, you know, how come you can't build this thing the Warriors way? That's what people have been talking about. It's like the Warriors added Durant to a team that was, for the most part, homegrown. Drafted. They drafted those Great. guys. Mm-hmm. So the more of those picks you have, even if Danny does not flip it for a star player, again, you can draft. Maybe Josh Jackson is the next Jimmy Butler or somebody well, like that. it's just the Celtics. It's like uh, that Sex in the City episode, the light is on. You know what I'm saying? How guys, no, that's my it show. like turns on. Jeff Goodman joining us on the six. So Markel Fultz walked, worked out for the Celtics twice. Let's just start with that, Jeff. What did the Celtics see or perhaps not see in him that made them comfortable moving down two slots? You know, you guys are both right. I mean, Jamel's right about the fact that uh, Danny Ainge didn't see Markel Fultz as a future superstar. And, Michael, you're right where there's just not a lot of separation between the top four guys, you've got Markel Fultz, Lonzo Ball, Josh Jackson, and Jason Tatum. And they're all very different players, but there's not a lot of disparity between one to four. Now, obviously, Brian Colangelo doesn't feel the same way, but most of the NBA GMs that I've talked to feel like, again, there's less of a drop-off between one to four as there's been in the last ten years so that's why Danny Ainge made this trade. All right. Now, now that that trade has been made, what are the Celtics looking to do with that number three pick? Man, you never know with Danny Ainge. Michael knows this. <laughs> I mean, he, he could do any variety of things because he's got a ton of options right now. Uh, he could certainly wait and see what happens in these, these next draft picks. Takes Josh Jackson or Jason Tatum. And, and if he keeps... This pick, that's going to be a difficult decision he's got because they could use a guy like Tatum and his ability to really score the ball. He's kind of a Paul Pierce-type player, score from different levels. Jackson gives him that toughness. A little bit of what they have with Jalen Brown, that tough, defensive-minded wing who's versatile. Or what, what everybody wants him you know, to do here in Boston is flip it. Get somebody like Jimmy Butler, take a shot on Paul George, Start building this thing and competing with Cleveland rather than getting dismantling by the Cavs. So really, what you've got to figure is if he can get somebody like Jimmy Butler in, can he then attract a free agent like a Gordon Hayward, like a Blake Griffin, and then you've got your three stars and Isaiah becomes you know, your two or three, your number one. So that's going to be the key. What can Danny Ainge do? He's got a ton of decisions at his disposal right now including what do you do with Isaiah Thomas yeah. right now, who's up in a year. He's got one year left at $6.3 million. Do you try to renegotiate with him, or do you let that play out and see what happens next year? Or do you spend your picks and, you know, sign Blake or Gordon Hayward as a free agent? Hey, real quick, uh, we got to ask you this. Do you have anything on the Cleveland aspect of the Paul George 
uh, Jimmy Butler sweepstakes, both Stein and McMenamin reporting that Cleveland's being really active when it comes to trying to get one of those guys even on a, on a rental basis. You got anything from your sources? Well, certainly Cleveland, yeah. I mean, I've been told they're, they're going to be active because they know they need another piece right now. And, and can they get Paul George? And they're the one team that could actually deal with renting Paul George for a year because they can hang a banner potentially with, with Paul George. Now, again, like Dave said, the key here is David Griffin. How much juice does he have right now without a contract beyond this month to be able to pull the trigger on this? He's certainly got to run it by Dan Gilbert, yeah. uh, and they've got to be on the same page, which they really haven't been for a while. All right, man, we appreciate it. Good looking out. Thanks for the knowledge. Our Chad Ford released an update to his mock draft today and has Markel Fultz, Lonzo Ball, and Josh Jackson rolling off as his top three picks. Jason Tatum and De'Aaron Fox round out his top five. But perhaps Ford's biggest change in this mock is Gonzaga's Zach Collins entering into the top ten, currently going to the Kings. Man, I know this has been crazy for you, uh, Chad, with all the changes. Got the Celtics uh, and the 76ers making a a trade. But uh, let's talk about the, the rest of this draft. Lonzo Ball, Lakers number two. Is that as locked in of a pick as there is in the top five right well, now. Well, we, we thought it was, and then it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And then Rob Palinka and Magic Johnson started the process and really brought in a lot of guys, brought in several guys for second workouts, really fell in love with Josh Jackson, like De'Aaron Fox as well. But I think they've now come around in that process, and after seeing all of these guys multiple times, I think they've decided that Lonzo Ball is their guy if they keep the number two pick, and that's the big question oh, mark right now. Oh, if, huh? <laughs> well, for two reasons. One, the Paul George situation clearly puts pressure on the Lakers as well. We talked about the pressure that's on the Pacers, but you also have Paul George telling the Lakers, I want to come to you, and I want to come to you now. I don't want to be a rental somewhere. So if you're advising them, do you pull that trigger to eat the Lakers, Look, if the Lakers now? You I, absolutely. If Cleveland's going to get in this deal, that would scare the crap out of me if I'm the Lakers, right? Mm. Because he's going to go play with LeBron James for a year and be in, in an NBA championship. Is he really going to leave after a year to go to the Lakers and play with all these young guys and still have the Warriors kick your butt every night uh, You know, when you get to the playoffs? I, I actually think that for Paul George, who's wanted a championship for a while, Playing with LeBron, playing with Kyrie. So which he, is it? Though? He may say, "Hey, you know, LA's great, but yeah. I'm winning championships here." But he could have told, he could have had his representation tell the Pacers that his intention is to sign with a contender. He had him tell him it's to sign with the Lakers. Well, that's so if where he wants to go. If you're the Lakers and you know that, why do you gut the roster or give up the number two pick or a possibly transcendent player like Alonzo Ball if, if you think he's a superstar? Why do you give that up to, to get Paul George now? Well, you're really just giving in to him. There's two things. One, Paul George telling you. I'm a superstar. I want to play for you this mm-hmm. year. If you don't want to make any moves, you don't want to give up anything to get me, and I'm going to go somewhere else. Hey, these players have egos. Yeah. Right? They, they have egos. You have a team saying, no, thank you. We'll come back and talk to you in a year. Meanwhile, I'm going to go play with LeBron James, and uh, that guy is going to make the game much, much easier for me yeah. than D'Angelo Russell is or Brandon Ingram or all those young players that they have on the Lakers right now. And suddenly I look at the, the landscape and say, I make the finals the next three years if I'm with Cleveland. I'm not even sure I make the playoffs with the Lakers uh, when I come in next year. I, I think that's, that's a big incentive for the Lakers to go ahead and throw in the number two pick and get this done. How oh, confident goodness. are you that the Celtics go Josh Jackson third? Assuming that the Lakers don't go Josh Jackson, how confident well, are you? They, that they, they had the four Celtics guys go? in their tier. Lonzo Ball, Markel Fultz, Jason Tatum, Josh Jackson. Those are the four guys. I, I think Jackson's the guy, again, if they keep the pick. And I think we know that Danny Ainge didn't make this deal 
just to have the number three pick, right? He picked up another asset that's a valuable trade asset, whether it's going after Jimmy Butler or Anthony Davis or someone else. Everybody's got to talk to him. Yeah, everybody's yeah. going to talk to him, and I think they're comfortable drafting Jackson or Tatum. I think they like both of those guys there. I think they lean Jackson right now. But I don't think that's the end goal for Danny Ainge right yeah. now. If he can get uh, Jimmy Butler, he's going to get Jimmy Butler. Yeah, so Celtics, 76ers, do you like that trade for both teams or you like one maybe more than well, the other? I like it for the Celtics. I'll yeah, I like honest. it for both. And I mean, okay. look, this was the Sixers guy. Markel Fultz all year. He's the perfect fit with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. They were so disappointed on draft night when they fell to number three and uh-huh. knew they weren't going to get Markel Fultz. He was the one guy in the draft that really ticked every box that they're looking for. So I think it was worth it for them to go ahead and give up that future asset to really start to jumpstart this process. They've yeah. got the big three now. And I like it for Boston because I do believe Danny Ainge. I, I don't agree with him, but I believe Danny Ainge. He doesn't Ainge seem to be real. He, he doesn't that, seem to be sold on Markel Fultz. Uh, no, I don't think he was. Yeah. And I especially don't think he was sold as him as a fit with the with the with the Celtics, I think Josh Jackson is yeah. more his type of player, that makes sense. who he likes. And so, look, we're not drafting in a vacuum here. You have coaches, you have systems, you have cultures of teams. And Danny Ainge is trying to draft the right guy to fit his culture of his team. Trying to get a workout with Josh Jackson on Tuesday, as a matter of fact. We got about thirty seconds before we got to let you go. You're on mock draft version seven point Who's the next team to screw up your mock between now and Thursday? Sacramento. Well, all, they screw it up every year. But th- this year, it's not so much about screwing up. It's that they fell in love with Darren Fox. That's the guy who wants to play for them. They're not confident he's going to be there at five. And you have the Celtics sitting there oh, at geez. number three saying, hey, we'll swap five and ten, especially if you're going to take De'Aaron Fox, because that means Josh Jackson or Jason Tatum is there at five. Then we pick up ten. We pick up another asset. Man, the Celtics, they're hungry for them assets. Oh. We appreciate you joining us. Beer game strong, by the way. I, Keep up the great fun. work. Tom Penn, I actually think now is the time for the Lakers to be arrogant. As opposed to the past free agent pursuits, like, we're the Lakers. Jamel, Chad we're, Ford. We're both I of think, that opinion, though. I think y'all are like, hey. Oh, no, that's right. Jamel and I agree. We agree. Chad Ford right. and, and you this morning, I think I saw you saying the Lakers need to get him now and not risk him being yeah. wooed by Cleveland. Why is it the wrong approach to wait on Paul Jones? Yeah, I disagree with you guys. You wouldn't be the first. <laughs> I think it's time to just go get him. He says he wants to be there. Why wait? Why go through another year of the doldrums? We talk about the assets they have. What do they really have? What are you really excited about there, other than the number two pick now? I hope they're a little bit excited about Brandon Ingram, right? Or Angelo, to an extent, yeah. maybe. Still? To an extent, maybe. I don't know. Okay, maybe. Do <laughs> you want to build the Lakers on Maybe. Or do you want to go get Paul George, who's the real deal? He's a top 10, top 15 player for sure. He's best in his position in a lot of ways. He's a multifaceted, legit first team all the NBA sometimes, second team NBA all third team. He's right there. So, so let me ask you this. We know how good Paul George is. How good is Lonzo Ball? Because to me, if the only thing you're excited about is Lonzo Ball, I like the idea of having both Lonzo Ball and Paul George, who's Claims to want to play for you yep. as opposed to giving up one to get the other one. I mean, ask the Knicks how that worked out when it came to get, giving up your assets to get a guy that was coming anyway. Now I agree with you. Oh, <laughs> look how easy that was to flip you, right? Yeah, because I don't think you need to trade number two to get Paul George. Okay. I would value number two probably at the highest level. And then Brandon Ingram and then uh, Russell. So they say Brandon Ingram's untouchable. You don't trade number two. It takes two to make this trade. What you giving the paces there to get yeah. Paul George? Well, I don't know. Them? That's where you got to start with a Russell, Randall. Go with everybody else that's out there. You throw in Zubik, who's a good young big. You throw in future considerations of some kind. Yeah. It's not easy, 
But what Paul George has done by declaring this is it's pretty clear there's not many places he's going to go. Right. Mm -hmm. Because you're either going to rent him, which we know Cleveland would, and not many others would, or you're going to have to send him, send him to the Lakers. It's like when Carmelo Anthony wanted to go yeah. to yeah. the Knicks. Right. Same thing. Wanted his money before and the by the way, this probably doesn't happen this week. This probably prolongs a little bit unless the Lakers want to step up and give something of value to how, how do the Pacers play this, guys? Yeah. That's the thing, because there they were always these whispers going along for a while. Like, do they even have to deal him now? Yeah. No, I don't think they do. He's been a good company man. They've known this was the case. Are you sure? Because it kind of seemed like they didn't know this, because it no. seemed like everybody else knew it. <laughs> well, they sure were shopping him at the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. At the trade deadline, there was all this talk. You guys were down in New Orleans. We're talking about Paul George, and are they going to let him go? Because they couldn't re-sign him, or all that sort of stuff. So... I believe they've known for a while that this is going to be difficult to keep him long haul. And I think he would play it out. He'd be a good guy. He'd be good for the Pacers. And they can wait. But there yeah. aren't many places to send him. So that's what's Got to take the best offer, even if that best offer is Cleveland. I don't know how Cleveland will pull it off, but you hate to hand LeBron another final. Teams need trip. to have their, na- their number out of their phones. I don't know why they're calling <laughs> Do not them. answer. Do not answer. Do, do not call the Cleveland Well, if Cleveland's willing to move Kevin Love, there should be a home for him, yeah. and they might be able to turn him into other assets and do a three-way to accommodate the Pacers. Mm-hmm. So that could work. Appreciate you, man. Thanks for accommodating thank us. Thank you. John and Chris, thank you so much for joining us. And, John, I'll start with you. Um, how did you become involved in the Warrior Games? Uh, I was, uh, I've been involved in various uh, veterans issues for for quite some time and uh, a buddy of mine that uh, had worked with a group called uh, ACP American Corporate Partners asked me if I would host uh, Warrior Games last year and so I did and you can't do that and not want to be involved more or be involved with trying to bring more attention to these really remarkable men and women some world-class athletes to witness their spirit and camaraderie and the love that they have for each other and what that allows them to do either physically or mentally they they go through a lot this isn't about charity for hurt people this is about uh, going to witness tenacity resilience people that refuse to be defined by the worst day that ever happened to them and their spirit is infectious Chris, it was at West Point last year, it's in Chicago this year, much more public involvement. How significant is that to maybe have more people experience what John experienced last year, which is to be up close and personal and be impacted, mm-hmm. you know, in a, in a direct kind of way? Yeah, definitely. I mean, like, like John said, I mean, for us, this, this is huge. Um, it's just raising awareness for us. That's the, that's the biggest thing, you know. We're not, we're not out here looking for, you know, the sympathy votes or anything like that. We're really trying to just raise awareness for everybody. Now, you live by the, uh, the philosophy that no matter your circumstances, don't give up, keep fighting, seek help. It's never a sign of weakness. Chris, when did you come to that realization in your own life? So for me, it's, it's been a battle. Um, I've been uh, stationed at Walter Reed in Bethesda, Maryland for um, actually next month will be three years for me now since I had my injury back in 2013-14 in Afghanistan. So um, it took me a while. My first two years that I was at Walter Reed, I kind of was, you know, denying it like, nope, I'm good. I don't need any help. Like, I got this. I can do it on my own. That kind of motto, I guess, you know, male ego type thing of I can do this on my own. And then, you know, it just got to that point where, you know, I was really down and I just I really had to reach out to somebody. And so, and, that, and that's what I did. I, you know, I sought the help that I needed, and I'm, I'm where I am today, obviously, because I did that. Uh, explain the circumstances around your injury. How did it occur? You mentioned you were injured in Afghanistan. Yeah, so I was overseas in Afghanistan. Um, 
during some IDF that we had come in, um, I had to uh, retreat, and, and during that, I actually ended up blowing out my knee completely. So I've had, uh, this is actually, you see me in a brace now today. This is actually, I'm recovering from my fifth knee surgery now since I've had my, my injury. And so what is it, um, you know, you're competing in, in several different all of them what like, are you like, competing like, yeah, yeah, in, in all, all of them. them I decided not to be a swimmer this year okay so alright thank I, you, you know, for, uh, yeah, the rest yeah, of the competition you know, should thank you yeah, but you know maybe but, but why so yeah. many um, for me, it's just uh, I've been an athlete all the way up growing up since Pop Warner, you know, playing sports all the way up through. And that's the biggest thing for me is just that the ability to still be able to compete. Um, my biggest thing out of this was, you know, they're telling me that, hey, you know, you're probably never going to run again. So that was a big, you know, gut shot to me. You know, being 27 years old and, you know, having doctors tell you that, hey, you're never going to run again. It's like, wait, what? A lot of the guys and, and the women talk about that loss of teamwork and the group and these sports and being a part of the team again bring them back to that feeling, which is real important for their healing. So you have wheelchair basketball, sitting volleyball, shot put and discus, cycling, air rifle. Let's focus on a wheelchair basketball. Speak our language for a second. Give us a scouting report. Like, yeah. who are you to the wheelchair basketball competition in terms of a, your equivalent? You know, that's NBA. a tough one. Who would it be? I mean, yeah, I don't want to divulge too much information. There, <laughs> oh, but, you okay. Know, because the games are coming up. But uh, no, definitely. Um, so for me, I mean, uh, for our team, I, I'm considered the, the big man on the team. So, so you're the Boogie Cousins of your squad? Yeah, you know. Without the, you know. Yeah. <laughs> without, without the technical. But, yeah, very good in the locker yeah. room. Very good in the I locker mean, room. Kind of the shack, too, but I won't be able to pull, any, pull you know, any rims down, obviously, because, you know, we're not doing any dunking in wheelchair basketball. But, um, yeah, so I'm the big man on the court. Um, so you'll see me in the paint a lot, um, obviously, out there. And, you know. Army won it last year, so we gotta, you know, bring it back again this year. So they gotta defend their title. Army won the whole thing. What's your go-to move in the paint? I mean, I like the hook shot. You know, so it's hard Going to You gotta follow. You gotta follow too. Have you seen wheelchair, but like yeah. in the paint? Yeah. It gets brutal. Not for the faint it's, of heart. No, yeah. it is not for the faint of heart. <laughs> it's definitely not. And this is no one and done. This is no one and done. He doesn't turn pro right after that. Okay. He comes back for another. We still have him for two more years. You're obviously an inspiration to many. Uh, who inspires you? Who, who drives you? Who keeps you going? Is it your well, fellow? Thank you, Chris. But I, I don't. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> you sure? You, you sure? You don't want me to put it up? Um, no. For me, like I, like I mentioned earlier, it's, it's definitely my family. You know, three kids, right? Yeah, yeah, yep, yep, yep. Hey, I appreciate that as well. Yeah, my family. You know, my, my kids as well. You know, drive me and and everything that I that I can do. You know. Um, Every day, you know, I wake up is definitely a blessing, but, you know, I'm here to do for them. Well, we'll uh, definitely be rooting you on as well as the other athletes that will be competing. Thank you guys for joining us. Thank you, John. And I I do hope that as your show gets more successful, they put you on a better set. (laughs) Yeah, we appreciate it. Yeah. You didn't didn't notice the theme here? Like, no, no, too much? (laughs) Da-na-na, da-na-na. All right, Saturday during the Red Sox-Astros game, a fan interfered with George Springer's hit down the left field line. He was ejected after this young Red Sox fan just straight up snitched on him. I told you they're a different breed. I'll allow it. I'll allow it because that's how you get opposing fans up out of there. They're a different breed, Red Sox fans. So it was my first day back, so I did a lot of talking. So we only have three DCMs today. It was more me. It was more me. You helped. That's for sure. Kevin Durant still getting into it with people on Twitter. It's his fifth doing too much countdown this month. Most of anyone. I'm not sure what that has to do with anything. I don't think it's been on for Twitter. Because over the last seven days, KD has tweeted 62 times. 
whereas 30 times from February 2017 to May 2017. I don't mind it, though. The people that say ignore it are the people that don't have to deal with it. And besides, if, if, if there's at any point where KD is feeling like he can talk his ish, it's right now. So he probably feels a little more, what, you thought You thought on my first day back I was going to do that? <laughs> Did I've I scare done it you? twice. I know. It's See, you just... took all our strikes. I can't get a strike because of you. I know. Ish. Ish is the word I said, people. Ish. <laughs> No, but I love how he's engaging fans. He's also opting out and taking less than his max so he can keep Andre Iguodala. After Brooks Kepka won the U.S. Open, he was seen celebrating with his first, his girlfriend, excuse me, his first major with his girlfriend, who Joe Buck mistakenly identified as Becky Edwards, even though Edwards is Kepka's ex, and the girl Kepka was with was Jenna Sims. Joe Buck was on Dan Patrick with Amia Cole. Now we all know who he's dating, especially me. <laughs> That's exciting. I wasn't up on that information. I got handed a card Uh-oh. by uh, by a buddy who was phenomenal all week, and it just it had old info on it. And you know, we got it right before we got off the air. But that's not the world we live in these days. You have to do the apology tour for getting the weak old girlfriend wrong. All right, so, sorry, world. So I'm not sure where the current misses falls on the crazy hot matrix, but. <laughs> Some of y'all would be the type to get upset because Joe Buck got it wrong. Like, how come Joe Buck don't know I'm like you know you know what I mean? Blame it on him. Fair. Blame it on Brooks. Because you wondered, okay, how come you didn't update the information? <laughs> Is this still in your bio? That's like a status thing, right? You took Why it to your so status many is complicated. She's that memorable. <laughs> They don't know who I am? Uh-huh. Whose fault is that? Uh-huh. That is your fault? Uh-huh. So, yeah, he I needed a talking to when he got home. The players messed up. Um, there's my man, Shirtless Gronk. He had a great weekend, it's apparently. Kind of redundant, isn't it? it is. At Foxwoods, right here in CT, he reportedly racked up an $100,000 tab at the club, including, which included, rather, 160 bottles of champagne for his group of 20 people. That's impressive. I'm not even mad. I'm impressed. I'm not even sure why we bother putting Gronk in this countdown anymore. His life like, is Honestly, like, listen, don't, don't put Gronk in anymore. Like, the it, threshold for getting Gronk in this countdown is like, way too high. what do you have to do? It's like Gronk doing too much, a.k.a. the weekend, a.k.a. a day that ends with why. Skin alive, squirrel. So let's do like, better. Let's do, do better. No, Gronk, no more Gronk. It's just Gronk, Gronk, Gronk. It's like, what's the point? It's like, oh, you see a video, grand, you see like, a video of Gronk dancing, you just scroll past it at this point, right? You just can't appreciate the simple things in life. He's living it. Before we call it a day, tell him we had a good day. <laughs> now, you know I don't like saying good things about that school in Ann Arbor. Michigan coach Jim Harbaugh, he spent this morning in a Flint courtroom uh, serving as a guest clerk for a local judge. He spoke out in D.C. last week about the importance of fair and legal representation for the poor, and he educated himself further. So, good job. That's fantastic. Hey, Cleveland, this is for you. First, LeBron dominated Bright's birthday party. That's not right. As any good father would. Happy belated Father's Day, happy belated birthday to Bryce. And today's the anniversary of 3-1. So there you go. You can continue to live through that. Sports Center next on ESPN News.